Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fan means yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way. You, as always, could jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution by getting on board on Twitter at Casey Stern. Jump in the bio, get on the YouTube channel where most of you are. Apple, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcast. Now 194 into this, 195 episodes deep. Interviews, conversations, rants, lists, and much, much more. The Texas Rangers have been much, much more than many might have thought, considering what the Astros have been for so long, and they'll get together this weekend. Texas coming in now halfway through the season at 49 and 32. Five games up in the division, four all-star starters, and four all-stars so far, dot, 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 as that continues. And I'm so happy to have on board a guy who's been uh, covering the Rangers for as long as uh, anybody I know for sure for the Dallas Morning News, and that's my guy, Evan Grant. And, and Evan, I want to I start here because you've covered this team for – a long time and you saw them at the height of the height right when this is a football town we can't get baseball to be at that height level and then they're in the back-to-back world series and then in the lowest of the low how good can we admit does it feel to be covering a team that has that relevance and matters again how much fun are you having watching this team listen it's just for me casey the, the job is always fun. Um, it is more fun when you're talking to guys about things that they enjoy talking about. Um, but from a, the perspective of, I think everybody who does this loves baseball. And to see crisp baseball play, to see, you know, night in and night out, good starting pitching and good defense and execution. Uh, and, and then when you factor in, you know, that games are just quicker now and and that there is a pace. And so you are kind of hanging on every pitch. Uh, it Yeah, it's just been enjoyable. I think it's been enjoyable for me. I think it's been enjoyable for fans here. Um, uh, certainly, you know, Bruce Bochy brings a level of connection, I think, with people just in this kind of He's he's an old soul, but he's got a new way of of approaching things on a lot of stuff. I think Greg, I think Mike Maddox summed him up so perfectly in a story in the Athletic. He described Bruce Bochy this way: walk slow, talk slow, think fast. And that yeah. that Bochy to a He's self-deprecating. Um, he's not afraid uh, for you to answer him, ask him. And I think that's set a tone team and really for this fan base to kind of believe yeah he's the best i want to dig into boach and talk about this team and and get into what's happened in the first half and of course this big series as always we are here presented by our good friends at bet online they're your number one source for all your betting needs latest odds lines matchup reports baseball boxing golf and more they continue to be the fastest and easiest way to get your wagers live betting casino and card games available right from your phone Get to the website or your mobile device now. Sign up and get in on the action. Use the promo code BELIEVE. It's B-L-E-A-V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's bet online where the game starts. And I want to start with Bruce Bochy because I want to get into the All-Stars and, and a lot of different things in the unfortunate situation with Jake, with DeGrom, and, and a lot here. But let's start with Boch. Covering this sport for a long time, you knew from afar, quote unquote, and being there for many of those, you know, all stars and World Series and kind of being around him, you knew what he was about, Evan. And I'm sure heard from plenty of people who cover him, you know, maybe some of those idiosyncrasies and things that make him special that you don't see. But what, if anything, has surprised you even, even knowing how great he was about how great he's been for this team? I, I, I honestly, I don't want to say anything has surprised me. Um, I, I just, 
am very cognizant of the fact that this guy has, for me, the kind of old school cadence of running a clubhouse, joking with guys, um, you know, not afraid to poke a little bit of fun at himself, um, doesn't take himself too, too seriously, uh, you know, 95% of the time. But when the game is on the line, he is thinking ahead. He is constantly thinking ahead. And I, Phil Nevin told me over the winter when I tried to do a profile on, on, on Boach, Phil Nevin told me that the thing that, that most impressed him about Bruce Bochy when he played for him was that every day he had a way of touching just about everybody on the team in some way that whether it was like not even, you know, hey, you're hitting fourth today or you're doing this today. It was something, some joke that they had they shared in the past, some incident they shared in the past, some personal thing that they had in the past, just something that knew that you knew this is a manager, not a baseball manager, but a manager of people who was invested in you doing well. And I think sometimes we overlook that. And that is what Bruce Bochy does so well. He invests in people and they pay returns on that. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned that because a manager to me and covering the sport the last two decades has always been about you managing people in X's and O's, right? And some are, are higher on one pedestal than on another. But Boch has always been so great at both. And he, as you describe it, I think about, Look and look at the success they've had. Terry Francona and Dusty Baker and guys who have just have that's every clubhouse they've been in. You hear exactly the things you just depicted. How much have you watched? Because we saw a respect level. And I'll go back to when Wash was there. Right. We saw a respect level that was was built with him and with that group and that relationship that was different. But there is a little bit of a different respect that comes with Boach day one, because every player in the league knows what he's accomplished. Did you see that state set in spring training, Evan, even before he really built those relationships, that there was just a different level of, oh, wait, we're, we're getting real now that Bruce Bochy's coming in here? Well, uh, you know, one guy who I think has really come into his own this year is Jonah Heim. And, and rightfully so, he's been awarded by being named the all-star game catcher. But he has maintained that on the first day of spring training when Bruce Bochy walked into the clubhouse and had his first brief meeting with the team, he basically said, we're going to expect to be champions and we're going to play. We're going, we're going to play that way. We're going to walk that walk. And we're going to talk that talk. And when a guy comes in and he's got three championships under his belt and he tells you that all of a sudden you do say, you know, he's maybe he's not, maybe there's not a lot of BS here. Maybe he does believe in us and that's all great. But then you've got to follow it up on a daily basis with how you deliver it. And, and Bruce has that, that ability. And I just go back to what you said a minute ago, Casey. For me, having covered this game for 30 years now, we can get caught up in in analytics versus old school metrics versus, you know, eye test, all of this. All that stuff is valuable. But the thing that makes coaches, managers, um, the best at what they do is being able to communicate their message to players. Everybody's got a good message. Everybody's got a good philosophy. It's how you get it across to 26 different guys in that clubhouse, probably 40 over the course of a season, plus your coaching staff and all of that. And it just does appear to me that this Rangers team from top to bottom is all pulling on the same road. 
I remember being down on the field, and it, I'm going to get the the score wrong. Was it 16 to five? Is what my mind says against the Tigers in that last game where they drubbed them to get to the World Series. And I, re, I, re, I think it was that. It was they. I mean, it was. It depends on how many runs Nelly Cruz drove in. It's. I remember it being a thousand. I don't remember if it was that many. It seemed that you way. You had a good series that series. The yeah. Next one, yeah. Not so great, but yeah. no, not as not as good. Uh, but I, 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 the point being, I remember being there and experiencing that environment and feeling like I wish I was from that area because I wanted to feel the pride that I was witnessing, you know, from that relationship. I know it's half a season. I understand, you know, new stadium recently, Bruce Bochy's in, you get players. There's a lot of reasons for excitement, but to see four all-stars and to see the votes come through and, and all of that, what does that say not only about the play of those four guys, right? Everybody except for first base, Yanni Diaz will be represented by the Rangers as an all-star starter in the AL. What does it say about that relationship that this specific group now is building with this fan base? Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, listen, I, I think the Rangers have been, you look at this all-star group, and it's clear that building this team has been a process, okay? Um Heim came in the Elvis Andrus trade and was basically kind of the second player in that deal. Um, uh, Josh Young was a draft pick in 2019. Adolis Garcia, who may still make this team as a reserve and probably deserves to make it, basically was a waiver claim from St. Louis in 2019. So they have been building. They hadn't had the results. And I think with each year that this fan base got further out from its first real taste of winning in 2010, 2011, then the, the 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 teases in 15 and 16, they grew more and more disenfranchised. This team has given them a reason to believe again, playing good baseball. And whether this is a football town, whether this is a front-running town, however you want to describe Dallas-Fort Worth and that area, they do respect good effort and they do respect a good product. And I think these people have been waiting to go to this new stadium and see a team that really delivers. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the atmosphere is like for this series with Houston uh, this weekend. This is in four years since Globe Life Field opened. This is the most anticipated series that the Rangers have played. You know, in 2021, the Astros came in in May, um, and the stadium really was open to fans for the first time that year. Uh, and I still remember those games. The Rangers had two walk-offs, I believe, in that series. Um, and this place was incredibly loud. And all I could say afterwards was, when this team is good, this home field and this crowd is going to be such an advantage for the Rangers. And I think you are going to see that from here on in because the pennant race in, in reality starts now. We're now in the second half of the season. It kicks off with the Astros. When the Rangers, the next time the Rangers play at home, it'll be after the All-Star break and leading up to the deadline. And I think it's only going to ramp up more from here. We know, and the lead right now, five games. Look, we understand the Astros probably going to get better as the season goes along. The Rangers will need to be better, right, than they were a little bit up and down in June. If the Astros sweep, it doesn't mean anything in terms of being respective to who's going to win the division. It'll cut the lead down to two. We understand that, but it doesn't mean the division's over. If the Rangers win, even at eight, who knows? But from a litmus test standpoint, and from this team that is now being accredited with these all-star appearances and this, this, this understanding of how good they are, 
Do you get the sense that they're excited about the opportunity? Because they always feel pressure, right? And we use that word. I like using the word opportunity. Do you get the sense they're excited about the opportunity to show that they belong in a series like this against the Astros? Yes. Um, yes, I, I do think they are. I also think that, you know, I, I asked Bochi a question similar to those lines after the game yesterday. Um, and he said, well, I don't know if there's anything left to prove. We got asked that when we played in Houston and won two out of three. And I don't think those questions are ever going to go away until you've actually settled something. The Rangers play the Astros seven games between now and the end of July. I think at that point in time, you'll have some answers about whether or not this is going to be a race for the ages or or the possibility that the Rangers have kind of surpassed the Astros. These players are looking forward to it, but they've also kind of taken the attitude of the manager that we show up every day, we expect to win. Yeah, it's going to be cool to have a lot of fans in the crowd and, and to have people for a change at a Rangers game to see the Rangers as opposed to showing up for Aaron Judge's home runs or even earlier this month, we had a series here in Arlington where the Cardinals came to town, and you know how they travel, and there were more Cardinals fans in the ballpark. It's going to be it's exciting for these players to be on the field in front of fans, cheering for them loudly, really for the first time since they've been in this ballpark. I know how well the pitching, because we talk about the lineup and we all understand it, but I want to get into the starting pitching and the job, even you know, Dane Dunning in his last start, the job collectively everybody's done you know, without the DeGrom factor, but I have to go to DeGrom first because I, I say this and, and mean it. I had the pleasure of getting a chance to cover him and seeing the competitor that he is and a guy who is kind of not understood because, you know, he's not the look. I remember watching and I'll just use a name that came to mind and I smile, Al Leiter, who like you could see when he was on the mound, every emotion he was possibly having right at all times competitors come in different ways, shapes and sizes and DeGrom, not necessarily that way. And I think a lot of times get lost in the shuffle in New York with all the injuries and whatnot, just how frustrating that must've been for him and how hard he had fought to stay on the field. Evan, I watched when I heard the news about the surgery, I was, I was devastated for him. When I saw his face in that scrum that you guys did, where he is sitting there and, and just trying not to break down. That was difficult through a screen. Can you try and describe just how heartbreaking it was to watch this guy not be able to help a team that is giving you that, hey, imagine if Jacob deGrom was here, dot, dot, dot. You know, and uh, Casey, I haven't had a chance to talk to deGrom really one-on-one -on -one about any of this stuff. It was it was a difficult thing to watch. Um, you got a sense of of how hurt he was. But there's a part of me, having been around Jacob in spring and now and in reading some of the stuff that came out of New York, I feel like in the back of his mind, almost for two years, there's been this sense that something is not completely right with my elbow. Um, and I almost feel like at this point now, he's got a sense of relief. And those tears and that, that emotion at that point in time may have finally been you know what? I wasn't wrong all these years. I wasn't wrong about this. There was something that wasn't going right. And now I can actually fix it, repair it, get on with stuff. Uh, he knows it's going to be a long, a long rehab. He's been through this before. That's frustrating. 
Uh, and it's going to be a long time since he's been on the mound in, with any regularity. And you factor in the fact that that weekend, his third child was born. And, you know, the first couple of days that he basically had a newborn, it was hard for him to even hold the baby in his arms. His wife had to pick him up and, and, and hand it to him. So a lot of stuff was involved there. And certainly, I think Jacob signed a $185 million contract, wanted to come here, put the chapter on being hurt behind him uh, and start anew here in Texas. And instead, it's going to follow him for another year. I do think that this guy is a guy who's going to come back. I think his arm is going to still be fresh. And I think that once he has finally gotten over the hurdle of saying there was something wrong there, I told you. Will he return to Cy Young for him? I don't know. But I do think the Rangers are going to get some legitimate big-time performance out of him, whether it's two years, whether it's a year. Don't know, but I am convinced that this guy is going to come back and, and be strong one more time. Nationally, the offense is getting a lot of attention and should. We understand that. And and obviously shown by, not to say they don't play defense as well, but shown by the all-star numbers we just spoke of. But I, what I don't think is getting talked about enough is just how much this staff has come together. I mentioned the Dunning performance the other day was an eight-plus shutout innings, and he's been great since he stepped into the rotation. The job that Gray has done, that Evaldi has done, that this whole group has done, how much has that been maybe the biggest surprise? I know you knew that these offensive players were going to be good, and maybe they're a little bit higher earlier than we thought for certainly a kid like a young who's a rookie of the year candidate. But give me a sense of this pitching. Did you get a sense that this was a team that beyond DeGrom could pitch from a starting pitching standpoint the way it has all year? Listen, you can't you can't add Jacob DeGrom and then take him out of the mix and not say, okay, are you going to be okay? But I do think that Chris Young did a really strong job of investing in starting pitching over the winter. Uh, they tried to handle all the questions about both numbers and depth. I do think that the surprises for me are just how well they have meshed. And you take the personality of Nathan Uvalde, who is, by all accounts and by every example I've seen, a world-class teammate and the kind of leader in a, in a, and I don't use that word lightly, but the kind of leader for a pitching staff that comes along very, very rarely. You add Mike Maddox who works so well with experienced starting rotations and who, if you put some trust in him as a pitcher, you know he's going to have your back. You add the fact that you've got professionals like Gray and Heaney here who are hungry to win, and you add a young guy like Dunning who uh, had hip surgery at the end of last year, um, really kind of, I, I think, really kind of meshed with those other guys. And all of a sudden, you've got, well, it's been a top five rotation in in, in, in all of baseball. Um, I, I just think the way Maddox works with these guys is a better fit than even the Rangers could have expected. I think the way Uvalde and Maddox work in particular and the influence it has on the rest of the rotation has just been off the charts. And that's the thing sometimes – you put personalities together, you think the physical elements are going to work, but I think the Rangers have seen 
a significant jump up because of how well the personalities all work together. I got two more for you. One baseball and one fun one on the way out as we're chatting here with Evan Grant. So I, I let me, this is, this is more something that happened with the Rangers play than, than about the season. But I, every time you keep mentioning it and he's had such a great year, Jonah Heim's name, to be honest for me, until I get over it and get enough therapy and it's going to be synonymous with the worst call I've ever seen replay make. Uh, I, I've never looked Bruce Bochy's not alone and he's way closer to it. Certainly more important than I am with it, but I'm covering the game a while. I've never seen anything like that before. And I watched the play the next day of an, I don't even know how many times to try and figure out in my own mind, if I'm in the replace it, what am I looking at that, you know, playing devil's advocate, taking out of my, what I think, what could they see? And I'm no closer to understanding what happened. Can you, you've been around covered of all sorts of different things. Have you ever seen anything handled worse than that call was from replay on that play against the White Sox? Well, I, I mean, look, I, I, I covered the Eric Greg Levon Hernandez strike zone. So oh, I, there have been some performances that I've seen that, but that you know, didn't from go up to replay. That was an umpire in the field, right? I mean, that's true. That was just Eric Greg strike zone that day, which just grew wider by the day, by the moment. <laughs> I, to, to understand where MLB is coming from on this, you basically have to go to um, my analogy that I have used is take the NFL rule of a player going out of bounds okay. um, unimpeded. He then becomes nullified from the play. And if he comes back inbounds and is un involved in the play, it's a penalty. MLB's stance appears to be now that if you start your setup with a foot on the plate, that is illegal. Now, the wording to clubs suggests that that puts a catcher in jeopardy for a violation. But the wording at this point in time does not explicitly say it will be called a violation. That's what MLB needs to clear up. We don't have to agree that where Jonah Heim's foot was had any impact on the play, and it takes out the spirit of the rule. But if you want to say, you cannot set up with your foot on the plate. That's fine. But make that explicitly clear. And that, I think, is where we got in the woods on this call. And it's the part that I think still needs to be sorted out. I also think MLB needs to sit down and decide, do you want to have what amounts to penalties like the NFL has? Or, do you, or are you trying to make and create a safer atmosphere for both your catchers and your runners. Because there was no way that, that Elvis Andrus was impeded from home plate by anything other than a bat that should have been picked up by an umpire. Um, there was no way that Jonah didn't give him uh, a, a lane to slide. And there was no way that, that, that Jonah had in any way blocked the plate at the start of, of the outcome. Those are all the things that you think are of as the the fundamental blocks of that play, what it came down to from everything that I got out of the New York folks was Jonah set up illegally. Everything therefore there, everything thereafter became illegal. The fact that it's Elvis Andrews coming around third, that it's Boach as the manager when the Posey thing, I mean, it, like all the parry, what a weird, weird play. I, I want to close with this because I, I, I saw in your, Twitter bio, it says send me barbecue. So I, I've got to ask you because I watch, I, I'm not a, I, I am a, not a griller. I'm an eater, right? But in your travels, 
give me the what's the spot because I've had tons of barbecue in Kansas City. I have tons in, in te- and everybody has like their own place, and they says that's the place to you. If I was going to send Evan Grant barbecue from any place in America, where am I sending it from? Well, you could send it to me from Franklin and Austin because I refuse to wait three hours in line for anything. <laughs> um, so I've not yet had the, the apparently the greatest barbecue in the state of Texas. Uh, listen, I, what I tell people when they come to Dallas is uh-huh. one place that you have to go to experience um, something really unique is is Heim Barbecue, and there's there's one right outside of Love Field in Dallas, so you can get off the airplane and go, or you can go to the one in Fort Worth. But they have the single best bite of barbecue that I have ever had, and that is these bacon burn-ins, which are basically... Oh, I, I love burn-ins. Oh, I love burn-ins. You know, in a burn-in kind of style. Um, they're chewy, they're sweet, they've got a little bit of bark on the outside. The problem with this that I have I have told people is, here's the deal. Their brisket is probably pretty good. Their ribs are good. Everything there is good. But this stands so far out um, in terms of a taste for me that, like, everything else kind of falls in second place. So if you go there, just be prepared. It's the Otani of barbecue at that specific place. Um, I will say this. The Rangers this year did add uh, a local barbecue joint at Globe Life Field, which is straight down the the, just a couple – a mile or two away from the ballpark they're doing their own barbecue in-house they've got burrito tacos with chopped brisket they've got a giant 45 dollar um pound and a half beef rib they've got how brisket. are you eating that sitting there watching a game though come on man i mean uh, you know it, it it is ridiculous but i think if you've got three or four people and you're all about the insta it's, come on man really yeah. <laughs> i would just say this it's i i my good buddy Dave O'Brien from Atlanta. Um, yeah, I love Dave. Yep. Uh, when he came in town, he ate there, and he said, "Yeah, this is this is the <laughs> best barbe- This is the best ballpark concession I think I've ever had." No so way. My okay. hands off to the Rangers because you cannot have a stadium in Dallas Fort Worth and not have a great barbecue spot in the stadium. So they finally got that right. Evan, I'm I'm so thankful, man. It's so good to see you, and, and I'm so appreciative of your time. Thank you for hopping on. All right, Casey. Take care. I appreciate man. this. As always, Unfiltered is presented by our good friends at Bet Online. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.